Welcome to episode 8 of the Club Run Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Fran. And this week's show is probably guaranteed to set off your smart speakers. Hide them now. We have another one of our mental health champions, Trevor, joining us for a chat shortly. And Paula is here to talk about the importance of recovery in our lockdown training routines. Captain's Guess Who is back to once again confuse your brains. Plus, Neil Driscoll is in the hot seat for our main interview at the end of the show. All that to come on this week's Club Run. Mike, how are you doing? I am very good, thank you, Fran. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you for asking. So we've had another good week with another amazing podcast that we've been receiving lots of lovely feedback about. So thank you as ever for that. And obviously we had another phenomenal quiz hosted by uh, our fantastic Jim. Um, and uh, yes, yours truly here did make it through to the final having known more about Prince than Kerry. Goodness knows how, because I don't know a lot about Prince. So that was some luck. Um, did you make the final, Mike? <laughs> uh, I was pretty close, Fran. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. By getting knocked out on the first question of my apparent specialist subject, if yes. that's close. Yes, yes. And this is what I thought we should just um, correct, because clearly... You broad, you you boldly put it on the daily chat that day that it was your specialist area, um, and then as you just said, you know, there was a tricky first question. So I have a question for you to see how good your knowledge on only fools and horses really is. Are you ready? Oh my word, we haven't we, and we haven't rehearsed this, guys. So this is uh, oh, I didn't no. know if I was going to ask oh, no. you this. I like to spring surprises on my co-host. So oh, okay. in the first ever episode, which I believe was called Big Brother. Dell buys 25 faulty briefcases from Trigger. But what was wrong with them? Uh, uh, they didn't know the code to open them. <laughs> and what will probably be is, yes, you're correct, because I forgot to look up the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I've not looked up the answer. So, yes, we'll go with that, Mike. Well done. <laughs> Did you actually forget to look up the answer? I've done a gym and I'm there thinking, how quick can I go on Google to find the answer? Hmm. Yes. So my cunning plan wasn't quite so cunning. Well, now I'm checking as well. Uh, let's have a quick look on Wikipedia. <laughs> the cases were stolen. They were also rejects. The combination for them is on the inside. There you go. So, yeah. You were right. I, I was so, right, just about. That is possibly the best intro I think we've actually done to one of these podcasts <laughs> yet, Fran. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I just hope it's a good job the guests are going to make up for it. Oh, totally. We've got some fantastic guests lined up this week um, again. And I think everyone will have a real good giggle again, listening to some of our some of our sections. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we, we did want to um, have a quick mention to everyone as well that we are uh, we're chanting to Neil Driscoll uh, at, for our main guest at the end of the show today. And he's going to be as well as talking about running. He's also going to be talking to us about his experience uh, with helping to get up the COVID-19 test centres over the last few weeks. And uh, we wanted to put a shout out, uh, didn't we, Fran, to all of mm. our absolutely incredible NHS workers that are putting themselves and their health on the line every day to go to work and support us and our family and the local community. Um, Fran and I have not approached any of you so far because with every, all of the amazing work that you are doing, the last thing you probably want at the same time is 
two slightly mad captains asking for you to come on the podcast and tell us about your experience as well. But um, we really would love to speak to you um, soon, if and when uh, you feel you've got time in your calendar, perhaps as we get further away from the peak. Um, please just drop Fran or I a message uh, and we would love to have you on the show. Uh, I think we wanted to just mention that, didn't we, Fran? Because we didn't want anyone to think that it wasn't something we were we really wanted to chat to people about. But I think we're trying to be just a bit respectful that um, they're doing a much more important job than chatting to us at the moment. Absolutely. I, yeah, I quite agree. And thank you to all of you that are doing whatever uh, frontline or key worker role uh, that, as Mike said, is helping keep all of us safe at this moment. So a big thank you from both of us. Uh, I think the only thing that's uh, left to say, Fran, is to uh, thank all of our listeners for, as I said at the end of the last episode, allowing us into their ear canals again. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's such an image you create every time when you say that. <laughs> Should we just play a jingle? Uh, yeah, please do. <laughs> We're starting the podcast this week with another chat with one of our mental health champions. Trevor is joining us for a chat today. How are you, Trevor? Fine, thanks. Yes, absolutely fine. How are you? Yes, thank you. We're all well here. Good to hear you, Trevor. Glad yeah. you're well. Yeah, I'm pleased to be here. Well, you're doing a fantastic job, I have to say. Thank Very you. kind of you. Thank you. How was um, how was your world since since we went into lockdown? Well, well completely different. Um, uh, as, uh, as you possibly know, um, I, I'm, I'm a mental health nurse academic. I work at Southampton University and the university kind of just kind of closed. And um, over the last three or four weeks, I've had to convert a four week teaching module that was going to be in lecture halls completely to run online. It started this week. Um, so it's been complete mayhem. Um, working from home um, usually I'm, I'm commuting to Southampton every day um, in the rush hour in the car park that's the M27 so now I'm just work from home and I think we're going to be doing this till probably the end of the year um, yeah so I, I don't think I've ever been busier put it that way <laughs> at least at least you don't have the commute to worry about on no, absolutely yes now you were actually one of our very first mental health champions uh, way back in 2017. Would that yes, be right? That's that's right. Uh, yeah, I I, um, I saw the scheme had had um, formed between England Athletics and Mind, um, and I thought, well, I mean, as a as a mental health nurse um, anyway, I thought hopefully I could you know offer something, some kind of expertise level. Um, to to join this, and it looked such a good scheme, and uh, I think. Since then, we haven't looked back. We've there's four of us now, um, and uh, hopefully, um, people think we're doing quite a good job. <laughs> but uh, I think the run and talks have gone very well, um, and yeah, it, it's it it seems to be going okay. I think it's a fantastic initiative, um, and and when we've talked to um, Louise and Hannah Amanda in, in, in prior episodes, as obviously you've heard as well, mm. um, I think we've all agreed that the benefit that we have by having mental health champions and the fact that you are all there whenever people want. And I think that's great that you're prepared to give up your time to do that as well. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. And I think the, the thing about us is that the four of us all offer something different. And I think that's important. Um, we've all got different expertise and experience levels and we're all able to contribute something different. And, and you'll probably notice that all the contributions of the mental health champions in your podcast have all been different. And that's been great. Um, it's been really good to, to hear that. So no one's, you know, they're all saying the same thing. Everyone's got something to offer. 
Um, and just because I'm, I happen to be a dental analyst, that, that I'm no, I have no more necessarily more expertise than anybody else. Everyone's got their own level of knowledge and everyone can look at it from their own perspective. You've got two great subjects that, or great topics that you're looking to chat to us about today, haven't you? Yes, yes. Um, I, I'd like to start actually by, uh, I mean, I, um, I'm not just talking about people that may have had previous mental health problems in the, in the club. And I know, you know if you take the numbers in the club, there will be a number of people that uh, have got ongoing mental health issues. But I, think I want to talk about everyone's mental health because um, I don't know about you, but but the days seem to blend in to each other now. And we, we've lost the structure that we previously had. I mean, even we've lost the structure of going to the club itself. Um, and, you know, sometimes I look at, you know, it's Tuesday at seven and I'm thinking, grieve, I'm usually standing outside the leisure centre at the <laughs> moment. And and it's not there. And I think there's a real danger that our, that many people's mental health can start slipping as structures start to break down. And um, when I worked in the past with people with very profound mental health problems, one of the things um, that we know, and this is borne out by the research, and I'm very much uh, um, being a, a nurse, someone that uses research in the same, using the same principles as they're using to, to find the vaccine for COVID-19. We just use different methods in mental health, but um, there's a lot of research going on all the time in mental health. And we now know that, that helping people um, with mental health problems um, to increase the structure in their lives can be really helpful but we can transpose that um, to everyone really I mean when we work with people with mental health issues we're not just working now with um, people's um, problems and symptoms etc we spend a lot of time now helping them to create a self-management approach which means they can help themselves and one of those self-management approaches is to look at the structure in your day and building in routine and it's really really important that we do have routine because and we build in things that we actively help our mental health like for, for example you know the music that you might you might listen to and the runs that we're going in and I, I, I know we're all different but I'm now doing runs on a regular basis on a, on a Monday, Wednesday and on a, on a Saturday. And I'm doing 10Ks every time, but that whatever people's doing. But the point I'm making is that you need a structure because when people have got structures in their lives and their mental health starts to slip, and I mean everyone here because everyone's mental health must be suffering at some level, is you stop doing the things that help you maintain your good mental health. So people will start perhaps going, forgetting to go on a run, et cetera. But if you've got a structure, you can start to think about whether or not you are keeping to your structure. Now, this is particularly important for people who are working from home for the first time. Um, and um, I was um, talking to um, um, a community mental health nurse actually a few days ago, and we were talking about um, some of the things people could do. And she was talking about something that she's doing, and this may not be for everyone, and this may be slightly funny, but um, now I've spoken about about traveling to Southampton. So it takes me sometimes an hour to get to Southampton in the mornings, an hour to get back. But now I'm kind of having breakfast, having coffee and just drifting up to my space upstairs where my computer is. And, and th I found that the boundaries between work and non-work is getting blurred. And, and where, where does work stop and where does work start? And, and this is getting, it can be a bit concerning. And, I, I, and if we're not careful, if you would do work from home, you could find work infiltrating other things. So she said, right, what you've got to do is when you've had your breakfast uh, and, and, and um, you clean your teeth, you put your coat on, you put your shoes on and you walk outside around the block and come back again. <laughs> now, 
uh, <laughs> I thought, what did she say? I thought, what are you talking about? So I did it today, and, and behind my house, there's a, um, a motorway bridge. And I, luckily it wasn't raining. I'm not sure what I'd done if it had been raining, actually. But I put my coat on, I put my shoes on, and I walked outside, and I walked across the bridge, listened to the birds for a couple of minutes, then came back. And that was my commute to work. But it actually worked. And, and it sounds a bit odd. But the point is making is boundarying your home life with your work life. And I think it's important that we do create these maybe somewhat artificial boundaries because it's important to, that we know when we're at work and when we're not at work. And working from home all the time, believe me, is a challenge. Um, and I'm not sure you know, whether people are finding it easy, but it, but it can become a problem where work can start infiltrating. And uh, I, I think it's just important for other people who aren't working that you add this structure into your life because um, maintaining good mental health is about routine and structure. Um, and if you if you start to lose that, then your mental health can start slipping. I, I think it is an absolutely brilliant <laughs> idea, Trevor, because I've just been to, I've actually been talking to some friends this week about how this is just from my own personal experience. But even the basic structure of a day, like getting up and having breakfast straight away is something you just mentioned it then. It's something that I'm finding that it's getting to like mid morning. Uh, and suddenly I'm, I'm in front of my laptop. I've had a coffee, but I haven't even had my porridge. That is just such a good. Well, I'm going to try it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But also mark weekends to not do it because weekends are to relax. And if you're not working, then don't do that. So get into your weekend routine, whatever that was. So I think it's I'm, I'm going to do it every day now. The challenge comes, of course, when it's hammering down like it did today. Luckily, it wasn't hammering down when I left the house. <laughs> but um, I'll just take an umbrella with me, I think. But uh, I, I think it's I think it's going to be important. Those kind of little things can make a big difference to the way you view how your routine works. And, and um, yeah, I mean, this is all principles based on something called behavioral activation, which is part of the cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, system so and, and it is about getting people to people who haven't got the motivation for example someone that's depressed hasn't got the motivation to do a great deal you do lose your your motivation levels a lot when you're clinically depressed and trying to get someone back into routine so we create something called a behavioral activation system which is a, um, a, a, a timetable of activities that they that they can do but just broadening that out to everyone hitting that routine is really important so something that hopefully people can bear in mind um, Mike, if I'm right, you work from home from time to time prior to all of this, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am, um, I don't know if you know Trevor, a teacher as well, and I am not uh, a secondary school. And to me, I'm a PE teacher at that. So having to work at home, because where we're such a big secondary school, I've been in twice since lockdown because of the, the amount of staff on the rota. Um, and then being a PE teacher, I'm used to being up on my feet more than on my desk. Um, it's, I found it really hard at first and I thrive on routine. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think what you're saying really makes sense. I've now got a structure to my day that works. Mm. It took a while to get there, but I now know how my day goes uh, and it works for me and it makes the day go quite nicely. And, you know, I even start my day by turning over the date every day. I've got like, someone gave me a present of a, one of those date counts where you turn over the cubes or whatever to get the date. And for mm. me, that's a way of knowing, right, it's a right, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's whatever. And um, yeah, even down to starting the day with that, just sort of so, keep that every day. So what you need to watch for is if you stop doing some of those things could be a sign that you're getting a bit more stressed and anxious and, and maybe depressed or something, because it can affect our behaviour. 
when you when your mental health starts to, to 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 go down and we're all on a continuum and we could all experience mental health issues it's not just some people it's can affect it's the most I mean, depression is the most common condition illness in the world now it's 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 far outweighs any other condition including cancer or anything else and so recognizing you've got that routine that help keep you well watch for anything that you start missing on a regular basis because that could be a sign that you're starting to slip and that's how we help people recognize when their mental health is starting to deteriorate because for many people with, with serious mental problems it comes in waves so they'll be reasonably well for a period of time and then some they gradually they'll start to break down so it's just something to bear in mind because we are so we're all connected on a continuum and the same principles can apply to all of us so um it's good that you've got that routine and for some people of course it's about writing on the fridge and for other people they just know so if everyone knows what their routine is and what they're doing positively to stay well that's the most important thing if you the first sign of someone getting stressed and unwell mentally will be they'll stop doing the things that keep them well interestingly enough and this this is a, this has been brought out on many research studies so you'll, you'll stop you'll gradually stop doing the things that you know keep you well so if you know that you are stopping them then you know that things are happening and you can get more support and various other things so it's worth bearing in mind that but that, that, that perhaps leads me on to a, my second subject I wanted to briefly talk about is I think people have mentioned before some of my mental health um, colleagues about about mindfulness. Uh, and I do want to say that mindfulness um, over recent years, it's a it's a, um, a way of finding space in your life, um, which has been going for Buddhists have been using it for thousands of years. But it's been kind of taken up in the last 10 years or so by um practitioners um, mainly psychologists have developed it and there's been a lot of research going on in the last um, five ten years about mindfulness and the research does bear out it can be very effective but of course there's a lot of mindfulness out there and sometimes it's difficult to know which ones that are, are good and which ones aren't quite so good so I've got some recommendations I mean what mindfulness does the best way of describing it is that it's not a form of relaxation per se. It's a way of slowing your brain down and giving your brain a bit of a break. So if you are, again, working from home, doing a 10 minute mindfulness um, session in your chair to a couple of times, perhaps in a day can be really useful. And um, the best example, the best metaphor I can bring is that you, if your working life is like a motorway, it's, a, it's giving you the opportunity to, to sit on the verge for 10 minutes. You may have to go back into the motorway, but you've given your brain a, a rest for 10 minutes. So some of the best things you can do, uh, some of the easiest things to get into is if anyone's got Alexa, and apologies if I've, if I've now woken Alexa up, um, <laughs> if, if they've got the speaker on. But I, I use before I go, um, before I um, actually go to work, and I was doing this before, um, I, you know, before I got into the car. Now I'm walking around the block. <laughs> um, you, Alexa has got... Um, regular guided meditation um, um, systems built in it so I, I basically Alexa open guided meditation and what she does is produce a random one to ten minute meditation per day and a different theme and it's really good uh, I have to say it's very very good so I would recommend that if anyone has got Alexa if you haven't uh, obviously there's the Headspace app although that will ask you for money at some point um, but the Headspace app on, on phones is very good um, some people prefer reading scripts um, themselves, just reading. And, and if you do a Google search for mindfulness, body and breath scripts, you'll find quite a number on there. Um, and I've got one I downloaded, which I could um, um, I think I could probably get it 
uh, a link put up um, uh, where the podcast is or something um, for that one. And that's a page of A4 about a body and breath script and script. And most many of the mindfulness, the, in, the, the beginner ones are about breathing um, and mindfully breathing. But you can mindfully run. You can mindfully eat a chocolate bar and you can mindfully do mindfully drive. Once you get into mindfulness, you could apply it in different ways. But I'm going to recommend a book. And again, I'll put the link um, with the podcast. Um, I'll send it to Mike. A mindfulness, Finding Peace in a Frantic World by Professor Mark Williams and Danny Penman. Now, that's one um, which is based on a um, mindfulness based cognitive therapy approach. And it's been well researched. It's a very good book. It's very, very easy to get into. And with the book, if you did get the book, you get a CD with all the um, mindfulness practices in there. It's a particularly good one for body and breath that lasts about eight minutes. Um, but if you didn't want to buy the book, um, you'll find all of their um, recordings from the CD on YouTube, actually. You've only got to do a search for that book and you'll find them. Um, uh, the, so the eight minute body and breath one is the one I particularly like, but there's other ones on there uh, for different uh, uses. So that gives you a bit more background about how mindfulness works, but it's a quite easy book to get into. It all depends on how people, you know, best way of, of getting into mindfulness, but I would recommend people try it because it can give, uh, it, it basically empties your <laughs> thoughts of everything. Um, uh, but you'll find when you start it, thoughts will start creeping back and then you just kind of go back to your breathing again and, and they go. And, and it's just a way of emptying your mind in a busy day. You go back to the busy day, but it does give you a bit of a rest. So I would thoroughly recommend that approach. Um, I think everything that you've just spoken about has been fascinating. Yeah. We, we would love to have um, you and the rest of the mental health champions join us again. Um, uh, in the weeks to come if if, sure, if, you're, if you don't mind yeah i'm sure everyone else would probably agree to that as well yeah it's been it's been fun all the advice about how to help us all get through this and to get through um until we're until we're back in more normal times i think all all of the advice is so greatly appreciated trevor so huge thanks to you and amanda and hannah and louise for giving up your time to to chat to everybody we're, we're so grateful that you have and we're really really looking forward to chatting to you again uh, no problem um I, I i absolutely enjoyed that and and, and um hopefully it makes some sense to uh, um our listeners anyway but I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast say and and you are you are definitely pros I listen to loads of podcasts and some of them are, aren't quite as good as yours. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, and it's been really informative. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to you and all oh. your advice, actually. Um, and so I'm sure there'll be lots of crusaders also feeling the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say to take messages or any, any questions people have got is absolutely fine. And, and I'll think of some other subjects to talk about next time. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. OK. Hope you and your family stay safe, Trevor. And, yes, um, thank you. And Look same to yours, to... yeah. Bye. 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 We are now joined by our running coach extraordinaire, Paulie Williams, is here. And she is here to talk to us about streaking. Uh, how rude. That is a complete <laughs> lie, but slightly true also. <laughs> how are you, Paula? Uh, yeah, um, had a bit of a wobble this week. Um, uh, normally I say I'm all okay, but I'm obviously being honest with the whole lockdown situation. Um, I had quite a um, bad day where I felt like a bit like a caged animal and um, spending a lot of time with the same people in um, 
the same location and I appreciate obviously bigger than others who are in small flats and stuff but um, I definitely had a wobble day um, but then got myself together the day next day went out for a run by myself um, and running made it all better so um, yeah just a 24-hour blip-ish. I had a, a similar wobble uh, I think people may have seen it on my Instagram I had one of those days uh, last week so I think I think we're just all going to get them at some point, aren't we? I think I think a lot of people will be able to relate to what um, you went through, Paula. Definitely. So um, my topic for this week is uh, more about recovery. And Mike is saying about streaking because um, I'm going to link it into a little bit of personal experience as well as my knowledge um, background with the coaching side. So um, some members may know that in 2016 I did a run streak. So I ran every single day that year. Um, 5k minimum and that year was also the year that I decided to do marathons and I also ran eight marathons that year so from that I really started to realize what I needed to do to be able to continue every single day um, and the reason I'm talking about this is because uh, quite a few people where we are allowed to go out every single day um, some of us are doing that and that's completely understandable because this is something that some of us may feel they need to do for their mental health as well as their physical um, but what I learned during that run streak year was the fact that I did need to recover as well um, and so as part of that run streak I made sure that I had some really easy days in there um, somewhere I was running a couple of minutes per mile slower than um, I would normally and that really really worked for me because the following year when I actually stopped run streaking and then I actually put those proper recovery days in those complete rest days as opposed to easy days was the year I PB'd in all distances um, and my best PB being over 23 minutes off my marathon time going from just under a sub four to just over a 330. So it proved to me practically the fact that recovery is super, super important um, in making you a better runner. So I wanted to link that in with a little bit of um, theory behind that and that um, on the Run Britain um, page, which you can go and have a look for yourself, there is a page on there about how you need to plan recovery into your training programme. And basically, quite a few of us are doing a training program now without even recognising that's what we're doing because we're training most days. Um, and so recovery really is an important part of training. And it's the time when our bodies adapt to the training stimulus that we're giving them. If we overload too much during the training weeks um, and during the effort, then it doesn't give our body time to recover and then repair and rebuild itself. So when we do give it time to repair and build it makes us stronger so this is how training normally works if we continue to train too hard and not recover then um, we won't improve in our running and eventually our body will break down um, it can't continue at such a high training load if we don't give it a little bit of easy time as well so for those of you who have done a training program you'll know that we do normally plan easier weeks into that program um, quite often it's three weeks with a bit of a build up and then an easier week. So that's not only the miles that we're doing, but the training intensity that we're doing. Um, 
So that might mean that. So, for example, for this week just gone, I reduced my training load. Um, I've been doing some really heavy bike miles. And this week I dropped the load quite a lot. So knowing that today I was really fresh legged and I had a really good ride because I had that rest from last week. So the point is that if you can try and have a complete day off of running each week, um, so that might just be walking or going out on the bike or doing something completely different. But running is actually a really high impact intensity exercise. We're putting a lot of um, weight through each of our joints with each stride. So having a day where we're not loading as heavily by walking, so it's not such a high impact or cycling where it's an even lower impact, but still moving. Um, we can give our body that time to adapt and become stronger. Um, that does mean that you don't have to necessarily not do anything. So we can still do yoga or the stretching that I spoke about last podcast or um, strength work. So, you know, you can still do your core and your upper body because that gives your legs more of a rest. But it really is a time when you need to think about listening to your body. And if you are tired, which you may just be from the stress of this situation, it has a physical reaction in your body. So listen to your body. If you've done some speed work or you've done a higher volume um, run, then the next day really is the day that you need to lower that intensity. If you feel like you still need to run, by all means, do so, because you've got to do what you can to get through this situation. But really think about completely lowering down the intensity of what you're doing. So slowing those miles down, really thinking about that posture and that breathing and just chilling out as much as you can. Thank you, Paula. That's some really, really good advice. And I think it's really important that, um, like you said, we listen to our bodies, that we take into account how we feel and what we are. And if you do need to run every day still or want to, fine. But like you said, take it at a lower intensity. I personally am still giving myself a rest day. It's a habit I've got into Fridays, which fit in very nicely normally with a normal weekend, start of the weekend, have a rest day, not worry. But at the moment, I'm keeping myself walking because it gets me out and about out of the house. Um, but yeah, I think some really good advice there. And hopefully it's coming at a time where maybe people have done quite a lot of exercise recently and potentially this could be still going on a little bit longer um, that we need to look after ourselves and our bodies now more than ever. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I agree with everything you've said as well, Paula. I mean, I think listening to your body is so important. We've, we've all had those days where even if you're following a set marathon training plan, where the plan might say that you're meant to go out and do a session, it might not even be a fast session. It might just be a recovery run, but it's almost being brave enough to say to yourself, actually, I need a rest day today. Um, if you're if you wake up and you know and you can feel your body is just knackered don't do the session just like go for a walk or do something else instead yeah yeah and I think I think it'd be so sad if towards the end of this lockdown because you've been run streaking or because you've been doing heavy loads you come out of this and you pick up an injury that means that when we do come out of this you can't join us back at club or you can't enter races and I think that for me having has a, a real period of injury last year I'd be so gutted knowing that I picked up a I've been so good during lockdown and then right at the end of it couldn't come out to play <laughs> that made me cry <laughs> yeah, um, it's a good I, had, I had a bit of realization about this today actually I have 
ongoing calf issues and whatnot and the bottom side of one of my calves is really sore just even walking it's not painful but it just I can I suppose that's not really sore it's niggly I know it's there and obviously I've signed up for the my uh, miles for mine challenge and I'm like well my schedule says I need to get this many miles in otherwise I won't meet the target but actually I think you make a good point I'd much rather be running than not running at all um so you know maybe the miles can just get added on at another point or maybe I don't meet my target but it's better to look after ourselves and make sure as you said we're fit and able when we can actually get back out there properly yeah do you remember last year obviously I, I signed up for miles for mine and then I had a broken foot so mine turned to minutes for mind um and instead of miles I was um doing it all in minutes um and strength exercises which meant I was really buff for a month and then I stopped <laughs> <laughs> I could do lots of press-ups that month and not a lot else <laughs> on a on another note I don't know if anyone else has noticed this but you you can tell that people are beginning to still respect the the rules of the lockdown and social distancing but I've started to see a few more speed sessions appearing on Strava which I guess is totally understandable because people do want to make sure that they're still doing their faster stuff so they don't come out of out of this um feeling unfit so perhaps on the next time we speak to you Paula in a few weeks time perhaps we could use our chat then to have a chat about um, doing safe uh, doing speed work safely whilst we're still in this lockdown state um, perhaps sessions that you think might be uh, good to do while we're while we're while we're not training together and maybe even uh, locations perhaps yeah sure we can do that i'll have a little think about um ones that don't involve you having to set up your watch for like, i don't know like 30 seconds intervals or anything like that um and yeah we'll think about some locations that may help you or maybe some times of day as well that some of us have found that um it's safer to run on so um yeah it's definitely something we can look at we've got to help our um listeners keep training and that's what we're here for perfect thank you well, have a, a good week. Uh, thank you for joining us, Paula. It's always good to chat to you. And we'll chat to you in a few weeks. OK, right. Take care. Thank you very much. You thank you. Take care, Paula. Bye. 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 Fran, it's time for our favourite section of the podcast. Yes, it is indeed. I'm excited already. Oh, I do love this bit. And it, it never seems to get boring. We always have such interesting people to chat to every time we do Captains Guess Who, don't we? We do very much so. There's a great bunch of captains to select from. There is. There is. And on that note, actually, we, we, we're, we're making a dramatic change. Insert some, some type of dramatic music here, Mike. We're, we're only going to be doing one captain now rather than two when we do this feature, Fran. We are. Tell us why, Mike. Because we don't know how long this lockdown is going to go on for, and we don't want to run out of captains. <laughs> it's a very practical reason. Well, you <laughs> we know, do our homework. We will. Uh, we want to make sure we've got some fresh content for you uh, every two weeks when we speak to the captains. And actually, as we were saying earlier, it gives us a little bit longer to have a chat with each one um, when we speak to them, doesn't it? It does indeed. It does indeed. Now we do have one of our fantastic previous captains on the phone in total we are lucky enough to have 22 captains to pick from that have been captains before us for those of you that have not been a member of the club for long every year uh, new captains are chosen and nominated by the outgoing captains uh, and then they do their their year wearing the armband so to speak 
and we've already had how many have we spoken to now, Fran? Is that we've had four? We've had four captains. Four. So today is number five. Shall we uh, see if we've got our fifth captain on the line, Mike? Let's do it. Are you, uh, do we have a captain? Are you there, Captain? Yes, I am. Well, do you know what they're learning, Mike? They're learning not to give us anything too soon. They're intentionally making it difficult for us. I mean, all of our listeners have probably guessed who it is already, but you and I, <laughs> Fran, are just sat here, not a clue in the world. <laughs> no. Oh. So, Captain, thank you very much for joining us for this week's podcast. How are you doing? How are you finding things in our lockdown time? I'm fairly adjusted to the new normal, although I would say it's pretty abnormal normal. <laughs> abnormal normal. That's a brilliant phrase, isn't it? I'm going to use that. It is true. It is abnormal normal. It is normal now, but it's definitely not normal. I like it. Good. I had a, a colleague from work once that uh, tried to that accidentally made up a new word, and we still take the Mickey out of him to this day. He was trying to say uh, normally, uh, and he was trying to say ordinarily, uh, and he just started saying normarily, and we still take the Mickey out of him for that. <laughs> normarily. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> What's your view, Captain? Does does normarily um, a, a worthy addition to the Oxford English Dictionary? It sounds very lyrical to me. Lyrical. Lyrical. This captain likes a good use of a word. The, their vocab is on point, as the kids say. Do they? <laughs> I've never Probably heard not. Students say that. <laughs> Miss, your vocab is most on point today. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm confusing the word vocab with the word TikTok. Yes, now that is probably true. Oh, right, enough about us. Maybe we should find out a little bit more about our captain this week. Captain, are you able to give us your first clue, please? Yes, I can. So, I am a self-confessed ilorophile. Uh, I, I don't know where to go with this one. I, I mean, I'll tell you where I've... to go. Let's go to Google. Yes, you do that, and I will stop thinking of murder she wrote because that's where I'm thinking. It's that kind of thing. Captain, if I look this up and I get something uh, equally as disturbing as duck do, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> you won't. It's fine. It is clean. Can you repeat the word for me, please? I'll repeat the word, but I won't spell it. I lure a file. Oh, I lure a file. Do you know what? Oh. This is... You can talk to Google. Hold on. I lure a file. Thinking. Here's the definition of I lure a file. A cat lover. <laughs> Thanks, Google. Oh. <laughs> now this makes much more sense. Oh my gosh, you and I just amazed us. <laughs> I thought it was some sort of detective story or something. I didn't hear one word. I heard I Laura file. <laughs> That's such a brilliant clue. Oh my god. Oh. Captain, your uh, your your vocab is on point and we need clue number two, please. I used to have a climbing wall inside a previous home. And 
being safety conscious, we did actually have a belay system in place. Oh my God, you had a climbing wall in your home? Yes. Hold on, don't mind me. Okay. Belay system. Oh, <laughs> I've got this one. I've got this one. A belay device is a mechanical piece of climbing equipment used to control a rope during belaying. Oh, oh, jump. oh right. Yeah, so like the. Okay. Cool. I've had to learn how to do this to teach other students. This is this is good. I'm in the. I can do this one. Captain, you had a climbing wall in your house. Did did you put it there or was it there from a previous owner? No, I put it there. Wow. Uh, whereabouts in the house? Up the sides of the staircase. It was a a two up two down small house. And so the two walls going up the sides of the staircase, they were all on those. And then there were a couple on the top back wall of the landing. And the belay system was a, a weightlifting bar that was basically hammered between the two bedrooms. So it was a two bedroom house. And then the belay system was worked from that bar. I think we better get the third and final clue, please, Captain. During my year as captain, I completed all of the HRRL races. Well, firstly, congratulations, captain. That is uh, one amazing achievement. Thank you. Dare I say it's one that you and I aren't going to manage, Mike. <laughs> 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 Sorry. It's not even about us and I've made it about us. <laughs> it just popped into my head. <laughs> Those are some fantastic clues, aren't they, Fran? Uh, they are really, really good. I am stumped. I don't know who I am going to pick. Can we ask you to come back and chat to us at the end of the podcast so we can find out who you are? Yes, of course you can. Thank you, Captain. We'll speak to you soon. Look forward to it. Mike, we have come to the section of our podcast where we get to meet our main guests for the week. Um, this week, we are joined by somebody who I think I would be right in saying is very well, well known throughout the club uh, for many amazing reasons. Uh, none less than the fact that he was our male captain last year. Neil, do we have you on the phone? Hi, Fran. How are you guys? How are you doing? Hey, Neil. Hi, are you all right? Yeah, I'm cool. How are you guys? We're good. We're good, aren't we, Mike? We're good. Yeah, we're really good. We're really good. And Neil, we're so grateful that you've given up your time, mate. We know how busy you must have been this last month. Uh, hey, well, no worries. It's an absolute uh, pleasure and a privilege to uh, to be on your podcast. So, um, yeah, thank you. I, I should say, Fran, normally at the beginning of each podcast, we, we ask a, uh, on in the main interview, we ask a particular question and I feel like we should ask it again. So, uh, Neil, um, much change for you at all during this lockdown? <laughs> um, uh, quite a few elements have changed for me, but uh, the fact that going to work every day hasn't changed. Could you start off by telling us a little bit what your normal day to day job is um, and how that might be different at the moment? Okay, so I am a regional director for a company called A-Plant. We specialise in rental solutions. So we do anything from like a drill to a uh, digger, to a JCB digger, to 
uh, ground trackway uh, for festivals, fence panels, portable accommodation, you know, safety and comms. So we work in refineries. So all aspects of um, anything you might need to hire, um, we probably do it. But at the moment... But at the, but at the moment, um, we have been asked to help and support the Department of Health. And we, for the last probably six weeks, been setting up COVID-19 testing stations throughout the UK. And this hasn't, yeah, this hasn't just been local, has it, mate? From what from what you've said, you've been doing some miles, haven't you? Yeah, well, I bought, I bought a new car like a month ago and I put 3,000 miles on it already. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been... Uh, <laughs> Which might not have been the best time to buy a new new car, but um, you know, such is life. But yeah, it's um, we've been. I look after. So when I'm normally working and I'm doing my day job, I have 28 businesses throughout London and the southeast, varying size. Um, so that's normally the patch that I would be working in. And you know, going up to London, I'd get public transport, so on and so forth. So. Hence the, uh, you know, not going on public transport if, uh, you know, unless absolutely necessary. I've been driving there um, and it's been, yeah, it's been literally travelling all around my, uh, all around my area, um, helping and supporting where necessary. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been quite tough. As well as setting up the, the testing um, stations or centres, um, we also probably, those of you with uh, those of us who follow you on Facebook would have seen that you had some photos of uh, the Nightingale Hospital, the first one built it, um, in London. Um, so were you guys involved in sort of the inside setting up or the outside? or? So with the Nightingale, how that happened, it actually wasn't the first one. That was the, that was the hospital, the actual testing centres. The first one was IKEA in Wembley and then the O2 at Greenwich. So we did them. Um, and then obviously the Nightingale was uh, under construction and what they wanted was a walk-in testing centre because obviously lots of people in London don't drive. They do go on public transport. So they wanted the doctors and nurses and key workers to be able to go to the Nightingale and get tested and there was no facility. So we were given an area where we had to put a temporary road surface down and then we had to build a marquee and put power and lights and cubicles and so on and so forth. So they had a clean, safe area that they could um, administer the tests and sort of, you know, get the ball rolling with the doctors and nurses. So um, we could, you know, so they could get, you know, get the test done and start and, and start being able to hopefully work, um, you know, work safely and know what sort of, you know, at that time, broad, that was five weeks ago six weeks ago it was you know, it, it was just so in its infancy there was no sort of manual so they basically asked us if we could create this walking centre which we did with about two days notice. Sorry I imagine that means you've got a lot of um, ingenious people amongst your team who can obviously sort of think on their feet and get these sort of things done because you know as you said this is something that's done with a lot of short notice that no one's got prior um, experience yeah. of I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there was no, you know, there's no manual. There was no manual for this. So um, in any walk of life. So what kind of happened is when we were given, when we did IKEA and Wembley, it was all, it was so new. It was, you know, we were, we were asked to go and do these, you know, these test centres and we, we had a plan and we went and done it. Um, we worked with the government and we, you know, we, we came up with a plan and we went and delivered it. 
the Nightingale was a little bit different because the Nightingale happened, like I say, within one or two days. And it was like not like the two we'd done before. So we had to kind of think of our feet and listen to what they needed, work out a plan of how we were going to execute it. And we did that really well. And we did that, and, and, and this sounds crazy, but we did that with like just a team of about five people. And that install started probably six o'clock in the morning and ended, I think I left there about half past nine at night. So it was a long day. Um, we had, you know, we had some people come and go and help support in, in, in key areas. But fundamentally, you know, there was five guys that, you know, put that all together. And, you know, like I say, my, my job is normally the regional director. So, you know, I would be going about my businesses, seeing the depots, making sure that we're, you know, machines are ready, some safeties adhered to, the apprentices are fine, and so on and so forth. And the reason why they wanted the directors involved is because at that time we, you know, the social distancing was all, you know, all new to us. We were asking some of our staff to do things that they might not be comfortable with and we didn't want to put them, we didn't want to make them uncomfortable. So our, my MD and the CEO and the senior team, they were like, we want the directors to kind of lead by example, if you're happy to do so. And we wouldn't want our drivers or our fitters or our office staff to have to do something that we wouldn't be happy to do ourselves. So that's kind of how we all ended up doing, you know, doing what we're doing. And it, it worked really well with us um, sort of, you know, leading from the front, so to speak. And I think it's it's probably something that you're, has been brilliant for morale within your team as well. The fact that they can see that actually the guys that normally are sat in the office or, you know, potentially on, you know, on the occasional jolly in London um, are actually rolling their sleeves up and getting stuck in just like everyone else yeah i think coming I mean, my journey in our company is a little bit different because i worked my way up from an apprentice to a director so um they like using that story because you know if you work hard and you you know you're committed and you're loyal to the company and business that you can you know get the opportunities to succeed i think um with with what has been going on, my team have always supported me 100%, and they've always been behind me because they were behind me. And sort of some of them have seen me grow up. Does that make sense? Like from this, mm. you know, young apprentice to you know a fitter to a very gobby sales rep uh, to a manager <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, they were, they were, they've always, you know, there's some key people that have really, really helped and supported me, but. It is a team effort, even though there might have been five guys on that site making it happen at the Nightingale that night. There's a whole orchestra of people behind me that help get the equipment ready, you know, get it delivered there. We we install it, and, you know, I might plan it with some people, but there's a whole team in the background that actually make it happen. So it's phenomenal that five people can install it. It's also phenomenal that these guys to make it happen with one to two days notice. And some of the, you know, some of the equipment we get ready and sometimes takes a, a week to get ready. These guys were doing it overnight. So, yeah, it was, it, it was and it has been an absolutely amazing, uh, amazing show from our company. 
so, so for, for everyone that's listening to this, we're recording this on uh, the evening of Friday, the 1st of May. So uh, the uh, government announced just a few hours ago that they'd hit their target of 100,000 tests a day. What What's the pressure been like, Neil, over the last month in, in terms of this this number that's, that was banded around at the beginning of the month? Have, have you Have you and your team been feeling that? Yeah, totally. Because, um, but it's like it's been a good pressure because we've known we've, what we're doing is helping and supporting so many people. So I think for us, it's you know if we've had to go right, there's one online tomorrow. Sometimes we were halfway through an install, and it would be so and so's happening tomorrow. So for me, it'd just be like right, you're still on a job. I'd put me headphones in and I'd be ringing around with people wherever that is, whatever location that is in, in my um, in my area. And I'd be trying to orchestrate getting that equipment ready while still, you know, helping, driving forklifts and whatever I was doing, installing lights. And, you know, the guys would then make that happen and then we would just roll on to the next job. And I think it was, you just had to do it. You just knew that you were playing such a, such a part in a big picture. You know, we needed to make it happen. We were given... It was almost like there was like a three-day time window. So the minute you knew that day one was happening, which was a site survey, day two was the install, day three would go live. So if you got told survey tomorrow, that was it. You just, you know, it was just all systems go. I, I can't even imagine what the last five or six weeks must have been like for you, mate. <laughs> I think um, it was this week's been a particularly hard week. Um we did an install at Guildford and um, that was a long day. And um, we finished and I, I managed that is when I managed to get onto the quiz, right? I was, I don't know, half an hour late or so. So it was brilliant to see everybody's faces. And, I, you know, I can't tell you how much that means when you're, yeah, it rained that day. I was soaking wet. I was freezing cold. I was in a park and ride car park in Guildford. And it was just great to put my iPad on, see you guys. Um, laughing and joking and, you know, smiling away. And, you know, two hours before that, I was absolutely beat. I was so tired and I was thinking, God, you know, I need to have a break now. I need to have a bit of a rest. And then you carry on through the job. I really wanted to get finished in time because I wanted to get onto the quiz and see you guys. Um, And then when I did, you know, I drove back, big smile on my face, um, I got home about half past 10 and then I was up um, early the next day. I was to Chessington. So I think, you know, I've lost all track of days now. What day did you say? We're on, we're on Friday. That's bad, isn't it? We're on Friday. <laughs> so, um, so that was Tuesday. On Wednesday, so about right half past 10 on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I was up at five, out at half five. Um, drove to Chessington, where to do a do a job at Chessington and then the site went live at 10 so we had to work up till literally 10 to 10 down tools jump in our vehicles go back to Kilford put another massive marquee up because they wanted another testing station another bay we finished that about four o'clock in the afternoon jumped back in our vehicles went back to Chessington and then we had to reconfigure an existing um an existing install that somebody had put in prior to us, not one of our company's ones, but another company. So we had to change that around and then I finished that half past two in the morning. 
Um, so that was a long day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I think, you know, there's so many people like yourself, whether in, in doing your kind of work or other kind of key worker roles, frontline roles that are just working phenomenal hours now. Um, and it's so very much appreciated. And I know you've seen that through the comments people have left for you and your team and, you know, the, the club itself with the, you know, the round of applause. And I know so many of us appreciate what all the key workers, all the frontline workers are doing. And well, you, you, just, well, you can tell you're incredibly proud of your, your team and what they're doing. I bet you've met some really interesting people doing this as well. I've met some amazing people. I mean, we've been working with the army. Um, I've struck up a brilliant friendship with one of the guys. I honestly think me and that guy will be friends for like life. There was like a proper romance going on between me and him. Um, but he was incredible. He was um, he, he was just amazing. Just the way he conducted himself, the way he conducted the site, the way he got us together. I don't know if you saw. I posted a video that we. Uh, that was Liam, and he. We stopped um, on the Guildford site for the minute silence to, you know, um, respect the minute silence for the uh, NHS staff that had um, sadly passed away and were victims of coronavirus. And um, that was just it was so emotional. It was, you know, that was a really emotional time to see all of them people and everyone just stopped. We all came together. I was up, you know, probably 40 foot up in a cherry picker recording it, but you know emotions were high and you know it was just when you look out and you know I was looking down at all these people what we were there to do it was just you know it was just incredible I think that was that time and the time I worked on the Nightingale it really hit home um when you you know you see the big you know the Nightingale you see the big NHS sign lit up and you you know, we were having, you know, staff thanking us for what we were doing. And, you know, thank you so much for doing this. Guys, go and get yourself drinks. There's food in there and so on and so forth because they knew the importance of what we were doing was going to help and assist so many people. Um, they were honestly, you know, they were they were amazing to us. And I think that really hit home. Like I say, that was so long ago now, but that's when it really hit home um, that I was driving back home from London thinking, wow, this is, it all became really real for me anyway. It's something that I don't think many of us will ever be able to experience what 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 you've experienced, Neil, over the last few weeks. Um, but we, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised about how, how grateful that the NHS workers have been because the, the more test stations we get up, then without this turning into a political show obviously um the, the the more people we can keep out of hopefully keep out of hospital yeah totally and uh, you know like i say when it when it started and it just it feels like a lifetime ago at the moment but when we first got dispatched on you know the winning stations um like I say, it was all just you know it was we weren't really sort of on full lockdown i think we'd done the first two and it was still you know it was um people were still sort of like moving about and doing bits and bobs but when the nightingale happened that was just right when the when the lockdown had happened and it was it was strange times driving into london there was nobody about there was nobody on the road there was you know everything was shut it was yeah it was it, it was a strange time and it was a you know a massive for the unsettling time and um 
it was, but it was, it's been rewarding. I would say it's been rewarding when you turn up at a space every day and you look at a big, it might be a park and ride, it might be Ikea at Wembley, it might be the O2. You know, loads of people listening would have been to the O2. And when you leave and you've created this, you know, five, six, 12 bay testing facility and you think, wow, we've done that in a day. It's, it's incredible to drive away and think, you know, we've done our bit now and you know hopefully we've given the people that need the tools the tools to do their job wow i think i can probably speak on behalf of my can i and just say well we we just think you and your team have been able to do an amazing job and you know well done and definitely you know incredible and hopefully you maybe get a little bit of time now to a bit of respite maybe or back just to the normal day job just looking after your team and hopefully yourself how are you managing sort of normal day-to-day life because for those that don't know you um maybe as well you've got a wife and three young children at home uh plus you know other just things that people want to do in life just to keep saying the running that obviously you love to do um how are you sort of or have you been managing to fit any of that in seeing any of your of your family really some time with them i've got it's been the last few weeks have been really tough because of the with the fact of you know, going to work, not seeing my kids because they're asleep. Coming home, they're asleep. Getting up really early in the morning, they're asleep. Getting home again, they're asleep. So I think, you know, it has been hard for them, but it's been brilliant when I've got home because they're, you know, they're shouting, you know, they're happy to see me. I live next door to Jerry. So Jerry says, I know when you're coming home because I can hear your kids going, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, running through the, running through the house and, you know, might be in the garden and coming back and meeting me so that's you know that's that's been incredible and that you know that's just been so lovely I think um as far as my running my training you know something's had to give and sadly it's been my running um I've just been too exhausted to you know to run I've really wanted to and I felt really guilty about not doing it um but I just haven't had the energy to do it because like I say, when it first started, it was, I didn't really get any time off. I was doing, you know, six, seven, yeah, so I was doing six days a week on site. I was then doing a seventh day with conference calls. So I might be at home, but I was constantly on the phone. So it didn't feel like any kind of break. Um, I did manage to get Easter off. And that was because only because one of the sites fell through at the last minute for legal reasons. And then I had a bit of a break and, then it, you know, it sort of ramped up. But I've managed to pick the odd weekend off, like I had last weekend off and stuff, and that really helped me just recharge and get the old meal back, you know, back to where I need to be. But I just knew that going out running, trying to train, <clears throat> it just wasn't going to happen for me. I just didn't, you know, feel in the right place. Plus, also, I've been living out of, you know, SO and shell garages, eating sandwiches and, you know, stuff like that. So... I've probably not had uh, I've probably not had the most healthiest diet for the last uh, last six weeks, definitely. I feel at this point, Neil, it's only right that you are probably one of the most expert people to answer this question. If you had to single out one <laughs> service station sandwich that that, that that our runners should our club members should be checking out, which which one are you going with? Well, it's not so much a sandwich, but I've become quite fond of the pan of chocolates in the shell garage. <laughs> and if you buy them with a cost of coffee, they're only a quid. It's a it's a bargain at sort of six o'clock in the morning. 
um, <laughs> or half past two, depending on what time you're driving about. But um, yeah, it's that that's because you know, I've been taking food, but when you're on site for so long, it, it kind of goes, and you never know how long you're going to be there for. So yeah, sometimes it's um, living out of garages is uh, is not not good for my uh, not good for my diet. That's for sure. Now we we need to mention before before we before we go that actually. The three of us were were meant to be running London Marathon last weekend as part of a fundraising trilogy, weren't we? We were indeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that didn't we happen, were. did it? <laughs> it? It certainly didn't happen. We didn't do I, it only managed, <laughs> I only managed to go out and do a little run with my uh, with my little girl before she crashed her bike into a thorn bush, and then we turned back around and came back. So uh, I managed about a mile and a half. Um, so yeah, it was. It, it, it was you know, I, had, I I guess it was Sunday was quite I guess quite a low day for me to be fair because I I woke up in the morning thinking should be in London um, and it, you know that was always my dream to do my first proper road marathon at London. That's why I've never done one because I wanted it to be that one and I wanted it to be the one when I was 40 years old, the 40th year of the marathon. And I kind of just pray that it happens in October. As we, as we all do, I think. Yeah, I, you know, and it is what it is now. I mean, there's more important things than me doing my marathon, that's for sure. I probably need to start again with a 5K this weekend, to be perfectly honest. But, um, yeah, it will be, you know, it will be what it will be. There'll be, you know, we will come through this. You know, I'm certain of that. And there will be London marathons. It's just whether they're in October or the following year. We we didn't discuss this in advance, but uh, I'm I'm gonna gonna say it anyway. Shame, friend. Th- this is our podcast, so we can say it. We like shameless plug. Uh, as and when social distancing does end, we do have a cracking '90s night lined oh. up, don't we, guys? Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, it will be amazing. Everyone yeah. will be so ready for a dance by then. Yeah. Yeah, we, we want to see lots of you there dancing, helping us raise money for our charities, which are for Neil and I is MenCap. And um, for myself is Harbour Cancer Support. So, uh, yeah, shameless plug. Sorry about that, everyone, but, you know, <laughs> it's our show. What are you going to do? Your, cap- your captains, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. Shameless plug. Whenever you want, whenever you want, you're allowed. <laughs> well we did we have left it till episode eight before we mentioned it i think that i think that's okay yeah yeah no definitely i think that, look, look it will it will happen it's just when it will happen but the right thing is it happens when times are right and it's safe enough to do so so um you know there'd be plenty of time for us to have uh to have set together to have and let me tell you i cannot wait for that day i've never missed the pub so much in all my life um <laughs> But I really, really, you know, I really believe that when we come out of this, we will uh, appreciate being together and, you know, probably using our time more widely. I know for certain I will. Yeah. That first trip to the pub, um, especially if Brian's there, is probably going to be the biggest round of Jaeger bombs you've ever seen. <laughs> it'd, it'd also be amazing. It'll probably open up for like a Tuesday night. So we're all, um, we're, you know, I'm not endorsing this, but we're going to the club. We're going to, you know, do do a run and then we just all quickly go to the nearest pub and just get absolutely hammered i think that sounds like a magnificent idea to be perfectly honest i like the fact you think there's going to be some sort of running happening i don't think there's gonna be any running other than maybe just to the pub (laughs) 
Yeah, that's well, fine. I, I, I put that in there for, you know, I put that in there because not everyone, not, you know, there are people that don't want to go to the pub. There will be people not missing the pub. I'm not one of them people. I'm really <laughs> missing the pub. <laughs> like, really missing it. Well, mate, i tell you what. I'll tell you this now. Um, Fran and I are going to be at the bar being the first people to buy you a drink for everything you've done to help all of us through this nightmare that we're all going through. Um, you've got all the love and respect in the world from everyone at club. You're doing a, an amazing job. And bearing in mind what a hectic few weeks you've had. God, we're so grateful you've given up your time to chat to us on a Friday night. <laughs> no, no, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I think... Um... So many of it. Like I've, I honestly, the Crusades have been so, you know, so much of a big part of my life in recent years. And, you know, you don't realise till it's gone. And, you know, I was in such a routine of coming to clubs, seeing my friends, and so many people there, and my friends. And, you know, I had a fabulous year when I was captain with Bex. It was brilliant. I absolutely like it. was honestly like one of the best years of my life. I had so much fun. And then watching you two come in and doing your thing and watching you guys evolve has been amazing. And, you know, when that has gone, it's been, you know, like I found it really, really tough. And when you when your races have gone, like we said, London and, you know, all the other things that everybody else planned uh, has been sort of like put on hold. Um, for you guys to do the podcast and include everyone and for Jim to do his quizzes and so on, it's, it's amazing. It just shows that, you know, we are still united and we are still together, even though we can't be physically. Absolutely. Um, you have, I think, hit nail on the head. What makes our club so amazing and, as I frequently put, the best running club in the world, without a doubt. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Neil, it's coming towards the end of our chat with you and um, all our main guests we've had on, uh, we've asked one final question um, that has been the same and we'd uh, like to ask you the same question, Neil. Um, Obviously, you are a runner as much as you are many other amazing things. Um, so this last question is to do with running. Um, if you were to recommend one particular race, could be any race, anywhere, to our club members, which race would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough thing. Um, oh, there's been so many. There's been so many. Um, I would say... Can I say this free? No. Oh. Well, I'm going to say this free anyway. I'm going to free and you'll just have to edit, edit it and just take, take, take what one you want. I would say um, the Great Tough Run, and I think um, other people have said that. I think Dan said that last week and stuff. The, the support we get from our own club is amazing. Um, the support from the crowd the fact that we all go to the pub afterwards is always good. Um, but it's just such a phenomenal atmosphere. And because it's such a good, you know, such a good course, you know, lots of people train really hard for that. And you, I like seeing all of the results where people smash PBs and, and absolutely have a phenomenal, fantastic day. Likewise, on a slightly smaller scale, um, the uh, Stubbins is 10K. I think that is just, as a local race for us, that's an amazing time, amazing day. You know, again, we've got loads of support and it's always a brilliant day. It's always an amazing day. We always have fun. Again, the 
the PBs and the and the smiles and the love shown is just is just incredible. But there was another one that um, me and Bex did when we eloped to do our ultra on the Isle of Wight, and I'd never done anything like that before. I mean, like that was like my captain. If you remember my captain's bucket list crazy thing I was doing, and um, the one on the Isle of Wight was really really good. It was something that I would tell people if they wanted to get into longer distance on trails because there was just absolutely no pressure. The people were so friendly. The staff, you know, the uh, marshals are so supportive. It was a, it was an incredible day. That was a long day, but it was incredible. Uh, you know, me and Bex had so much fun. And it was, that was, again, that was a really, really great race. So there's three races there. Go on then. You can have three. <laughs> I could say loads to be fair. I just have fun when I go out and, you know, I just, I enjoy, I love it. Like, I just love it. To me, it isn't all, always about being the fastest. It isn't always about chasing that PB. I, I learned that very quickly that not to become obsessed with, you know, that side of the running. I like it and I get a buzz for training hard and I get a buzz for, um, you know, when I'm working hard and I get the rewards. But I, as much as I love that, I love just running with my friends running with people at the club, having a laugh and, you know, just having some fun and putting a smile on my face and hopefully some smiles on the faces of the uh, other Crusaders. We want to be in your next selfie. Your next running selfie, we're in it. Well, cool. Well, in 2022, we'll all be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I think it'll be... A, I've even started doing on-site selfies now. That's how bad I've been missing the selfies. I've started... a start the whole thing on LinkedIn with our company with people doing on-site selfies at the, uh, at the you know, all the sites we've been doing because, you know, I just think it's, I just think it's no different to clubs, no different to being on the sites, no different to the people working out as key workers. They're, they're, they're teams, you know, they're working as teams and they're working together and, you know, and making things happen and, you know, it's great to be part of that in, you know, in our running community but also in our uh, working lives. And what a nice message to end on, I think. And I think it is, it's about being a part of something and being able to share that, and whether that's through a selfie or a podcast. Um, I think it's all about being together with those people that matter at the moment in whatever whatever shape possible. Oh, Neil, it's been so good to catch up with you and to check in with you and know all the amazing things you've been up to. And, you know, as Mike said, we're incredibly proud of you as a club and what you're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for... And the time to chat to us. I was just going to say, look, thank you so much to everybody that sent me messages and um, sent me support and, you know, just shown the love. I mean, it really has meant a lot. And um, there's some brilliant people out there doing great things. You know, there's I've got a whole team that help and support me. And your messages are really warmly received by me. And it does really help. It does really help when you get up the next day and you see and you see some great stuff from from people from clubs from your friends from your family and it you know it does really spur you on to uh to move on and you know i just want to say thank you to you um fran and mike because this podcast is brilliant it is honestly you guys are doing a great job of being captains um i knew me and to pick wisely and um i think that you guys you guys have you've you know you've been phenomenal phenomenal leaders you have you know you've really helped me 
and other people, you know, certainly through these uncertain times. And I, when I took a photo of showing, you know, me listening to the podcast at half past five in the morning, that was true. You guys, you know, I've been, you know, like breakfast chat show hosts and stuff. You guys have been there and, and the guests have been there and it literally has felt like you guys are in the, in the truck with me driving to work and, you know, somebody jumps out and another, you know, Karina jumps in and does her bit or Zoe jumps in and does her bit or Hannah and so on and so forth. So honestly, it's amazing. Hats off to you. You're doing a brilliant job. Thank you, mate. Thank really you. Kind, really kind of you to say. No worries. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a privilege. Thank you. I hope I haven't bored too many people. <laughs> not at all not at all well please just keep staying safe and hopefully you find some time over the weekend to chill out and feel like you said earlier more Neil again and we uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon no thank you so much and you know it's, again you know I really appreciate you and I appreciate everyone's love so thank you guys and uh, thanks for having me Take care, Neil. Speak to you soon. See you later. Stay safe. See you later, guys. Ta-da. Bye. 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 Right. We are now ready to find out who this week's captain's guess who is. Um, Captain, are you there? Would you like to tell us who you are? I certainly am here, and it's Cathy Pittick. Yay! Oh, Cathy, it's fantastic <laughs> to speak to you. How are you now that we can talk to you properly? Yes, I'm good. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> good, good. Because, well, you taught us some new words, Cathy, which is fantastic. Excellent. Glad to be of help. <laughs> so I have to ask, what yeah. made you put a, a climbing wall in your house? This is a brilliant idea, by the way. Because um, we biked climbing and my husband was a bit of a nutter and decided that it would be a really good idea to put one in the house. And I was quite happy to do that. Um, we used to, we put the safety thing in because sometimes when we were using it, we might have had a couple of drinks or two. Oh, this so gets better and better. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we needed to be a little bit safety conscious. Hence, we put in the belay system. So uh so we could kind of secure people and it was um yeah we had a lot of fun we had quite a few friends used to want to come around and have a go so yeah it was uh, a good time i do have to say though kathy that the the thought of um of me having had about 15 cocktails and you having had about 15 cocktails and me trusting you to put me into the belay system correctly <laughs> i used to quite enjoy getting the men in the harnesses actually i have to say yeah that was quite a good part of it <laughs> 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 oh brilliant love it <laughs> and seriously i'd never had that many cocktails before i before i did did climbing that's for sure <laughs> good good, good um, to know can i ha just ask on that note when you sold the house did you have to take the wall down or did someone buy the house thinking oh my god there's a climbing wall in it well we actually sold the house to a friend um and we did ask him if he would like the climbing wall to be left but he declined so we did have to take it down and make ah. it good and then we put it up in our second house although because that was like um stud partition walling inside we put it outside so we put it along the side of the garage along the fence in the garden instead so it was a bit more you know, we, we didn't have any safety, so it was only like up to about six foot high. And hopefully if you fell off, you'd land on a flower bed. So you'd be all right. 
That's just amazing. What a brilliant thing to do. What a nutty thing to do. (laughs) Well, I wasn't expecting it as a clue, so let's put it that way. Brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely amazing clues. Now, now, Cathy, share with us, when you were captain, who were you captain with? So I was captain in 2012-13, and I was captain with Ian Edwards. Ah, Mr. Edwards. Yeah, so we had Mr. Speedy Edwards and we had Miss Steady Cathy, <laughs> which was a good mix. It was a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you enjoy your year as captain? I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was such an honour to be asked. Um, I'm not a great one at, at being in front of people, so it, it was a struggle. But I couldn't say no to the fact that somebody had decided that I would make a good captain. So... I wanted to live up to that and hopefully prove that they were right in their choice. So I gave it a go. (laughs) I bet you were a fantastic captain. I mean, obviously, I don't not Mike, you weren't at the club then, were you? No. No, it was before both of you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But from all that, well, having you having had you as a leader for lots of sessions and know what a fab leader you are. um, I I imagine you were a fantastic (laughs) captain as well. You're always very kind and motivating. And and a very encouraging uh, and motivating cross-country secretary as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I must admit, I missed them this year. I just didn't get into it for various reasons. So if and when they start again, <laughs> I need to get back on it because, yeah, I definitely miss not being at those this year. Have you been managing to fit in some running still while we are currently not able to train together? Yeah, because I'm furloughed, so I've got quite a lot of time on my hands. So I'm trying to stick to running sort of three times a week. And then on the days that I'm not running, I try and get out for a walk each day just to sort of get, you know, get moving, really. And I'm doing the PE with Joe Wicks every morning to get me up and out of bed, which is quite a good motivator. Even if I get out at five to nine, it's fine. I can be downstairs in five minutes and ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) There's no excuse to be late to these lessons. No, not really. Oh, Kathy, it has been so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us and making us laugh so much with our with your um, with your clues. They were absolutely brilliant clues. It's been a pleasure. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much, guys. And especially for all that you two are doing. Um, The captaincy year for you two has just been totally thrown apart, really, hasn't it? But you are doing an incredible job. I know a lot of people are very, very happy with uh, having the opportunity to listen to these podcasts and the music one as well was just inspired oh thank you that's really kind and we're just glad that we can bring the club together still yeah Yeah. and hopefully it comes across in the recording we fran and i genuinely have such a laugh recording these podcasts as you as you've just experienced kathy (laughs) i certainly have and also when i'm listening to the ones that you've you know that when they've been posted and I listened to them for the first time you two just crack me up (laughs) (laughs) oh yes oh you're my favorite now Kathy well you please continue to stay safe and keep well and we look forward to seeing you when we can all get back to club absolutely I look forward to seeing you both you take extra care of yourselves thanks Kathy you too cheers bye bye take care Bye. bye Well, Mike, we've done another episode, another week of amazing guests to chat with. Um, And uh, I think next week we've got something a little bit different, maybe a little bit special. We 
do indeed. Next week, we are abandoning our normal schedule of guests and features and bringing you a very special one-off episode. Uh, Jim is joining us for uh, a long chat about the club, the history of FCRC, and hopefully he's going to be answering all those questions you've ever wondered about how Fan Crusaders got started, why why we do certain things, what's what the future holds, and everything else in between. It should be it should be pretty exciting, shouldn't it, friend? It certainly should. We are looking forward to it, and we hope you join us to uh, find out a bit more too. All of our normal uh, guests will be back in two weeks' time, but we do hope you join us for our very special episode next week, episode nine. Chat with Jim about the history of FCRC and how it all began. We're looking forward to bringing you that, and uh, we look forward to tickling your earlobes uh, next Tuesday. Oh, oh, gee, <laughs> I am not tickling anyone's earlobes. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs> I can't even say bye. Bye. <laughs>